You're listening to Mission Lab. Mission Lab. From our living new man, Ben Here's our parents, Sean and Camille Brace. My name's Camille Brace, and I'm here with my husband, Sean, and this is Mission Lab, episode 65, and today we are reflecting on our restart at our church this past Saturday. That's right. Now, before we get there, I have some big news to share, and that is nobody won the book this week, so I'm trying not to take it personally. (laughs) That uh, nobody apparently wanted, either A, wanted my book or cares enough about our podcast to share it or they don't enjoy it enough. Um, We know there are people listening. There are at least two people listening. We know that. Um, But for whatever reason, I'm crying here a little bit. Nobody posted uh, a link to this last episode, episode 64, which would have gotten you a book so anyway i don't know if we should re-offer the book camille or that would just kind of re-trigger my trauma by not having somebody i don't know i didn't actually listen to that episode myself okay yes <laughs> so i'm not sure what to tell you all right well we'll just we'll just uh take our losses and you will as well because nobody uh nobody did it so Anyway, that's all we want to say on this episode. Hope you've enjoyed it. No, just kidding. Uh, yeah, so we're talking about our restart because we had our grand relaunch of our church um, officially starting September 15, just a few days ago, depending on when you're listening to this, September 15, 2018. And um, now... What is most acute is the fact that we relaunched our Sabbath worship gathering. So that's, um, that's yeah, that's what is like the most noticeable, visible part of our, uh, our restart. And so, yeah, I just thought we would share some reflections on how things went. Camille, you did not necessarily participate fully in the whole adult worship gathering because you were I was um I'm in charge of the children's um departments and children's ministry so that means coordinating teachers um and we have tried to do it or I've tried to do it so that um a teacher's on only once a month so we don't have just you know one or two teachers missing a bunch of um time in the sanctuary um while the rest of the Sabbath gathering is happening because um, we've de- we've put the children's program. I don't know how much you've shared in other episodes. Well, we've put- as you may recall, you were in one, an episode recently yes. where we talked about. Yes, this. I do remember. <laughs> like three years ago. Yeah. So yeah. Um, our children's program is happening during the worship time. Um, now, not right at from the beginning. No, um, but I was I was teaching this. Sabbath, um, and it was great, that that section of it. Yeah. Yeah, so overall, from what you observed and what you heard, 
Uh, just a broad overview. How do you think it all went? Um, I thought it was very positive feedback that we received. And um, I think change is always good, although sometimes it can be difficult. Change is always good. I think change is necessary for kind of like a a rebirth, which is what we mm-hmm. were trying to do, um, to gain a different perspective, look a little bit outside the box. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's it can be positive for lots of things, for dating relationships, marriage relationships. All right. I didn't realize this episode. Was I'm not going, going that. that I'm not going that way. But I'm just saying, like you know, change. Um, sometimes change is necessary. So. Yeah, I think change really kind of has the ability to bring to the surface um, dysfunction and things that are needing to be addressed. Um, but yeah, this is not necessarily the topic of, of this episode. I, I, I agree with what you're saying. Um, it, it's really it kind of reveals our insecurities and our gospel deficiencies. Um, but yeah, so anyway, so like just, just a broad overview. So one of the most notable things we did as well is that we had a physical space restart, quote unquote, physical space restart. Um, we just felt like we, we don't really probably reflect much on how our physical environment affects our mood and our outlook and our experience. Uh, but architecture is really, really a big deal. And um, when you go into a house, it can feel welcoming or less welcoming. When you go into a church building, what it looks like has an incredible effect on the ambiance, the mood, the... Well, yeah, if you think about it, even, you know, even when Sean and I are like picking a restaurant to eat at, um, a lot of the time, like ambiance... Mm-hmm plays a part in where we're going to eat. Like, oh, yeah, you know, their food's pretty good, but eh, I don't like the setting there. Like, in, if you think about how many times, you know, you may go out to eat and the setting plays a factor in mm-hmm. where you decide to eat. Yeah. Now, again, we're not trying to address these things, nor were we trying to change things to be attractional, quote unquote. We're simply saying, if we're going to gather together as God's people, how can we... What can we do to help nurture and facilitate um, an environment that aligns with our values? And if we're trying to emphasize community, for example, um, what can we do to align our desire to have community with the context in which we gather? So, so Ellie and Judy, both of whom who have been, of course, on this podcast, they were given the task of... Um, redecorating and restarting the physical space and uh it was just i thought it was really really beautiful and awesome um got a lot of feedback i heard a lot of people saying man this is so beautiful um so just yeah what 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 we did was we um i mean nothing crazy no nothing crazy we just set up five round tables put beautiful white tablecloths on them we set up a few rows of chairs in the back uh we they got some um lamps some nice lamps that they put in each corner of the sanctuary and they got some trees put those up um 
that's basically the gist of what we did in the physical space. And then during the worship gathering, we didn't have the overhead lights on and we just had the lamps. And then also we put uh, smaller lamps on each table. And so it just, the lighting set a mood. And I know like, I used to be one of those people that when you'd go to a church or you'd see a church and you'd say, oh man, look what they're doing with the lighting. Like they have low lighting and they have this and that. I used to always kind of like make fun of it and be like, you know, it's too Catholic or it's too emerging or it's too mystical. But like at the same time, what, what if, if you're like at home on a Friday night and having a nice Sabbath meal on Friday night, like, what are you doing with the lighting? Low lighting. <laughs> Low li- <laughs> Thank you, Camille. Low lighting, candles. It's like, so, like, there's nothing inherently wrong with low lighting. Right, Camille? No. <laughs> nope. Anything to add on the lighting piece? No, but, you know, I was just going to say to give an overall kind of view, like, our service started later than normal, so it started at 1030, mm-hmm. um, which is where we had like a very mix and mingle. And it's kind of interesting because I don't know if this is more of a younger generation thing, but we've talked about this on on this podcast many times where potluck, um, at least in our church and, you know, I've seen it in lots of other churches is kind of not, it's kind of a thing of a, the past. Yes, I know it still happens in church. I know um, lots of people still go to potluck, but um, what I've experienced and what I have come to know is not a lot of people from our generation stay for potlucks. Well, in our context where we are now, yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying it doesn't still happen. It does. But that time before um, is kind of what we've just almost switched it, where, mm-hmm. like, we have this mix and mingle, which would be potluck, but, you know, just light refreshments of muffins or crackers or whatever, or hot drinks or whatever at the beginning so people have time to, you know, actually fellowship. Mm-hmm. Um, which is what church was partially designed for, uh, to be able to fellowship and share one another's burdens and uh, really be that family, mm-hmm. um, Christ family. And uh, so that's how we started it. And then right at 11, um, we had about a half an hour of that. And then right at 11, we went into song service, which was just done so beautifully. We have a couple in our church who uh, does a phenomenal job. Shout out to Ben and Alyssa. Yep. Um, and we had beautiful, their sister-in-law, Emma, on the violin. Yeah. Beautiful, of course. We have Aaron on the bass and piano, Judy piano. We had some percussion instruments, which our friend Jim, <laughs> who has been on this podcast before, um, I was up there as well. Uh, we just, yeah, it was beautiful. And by and large, about 99% of our parishioners uh enjoyed the music and didn't have a problem with some of the instrumentation and ingredients but uh (coughs) excuse me you you know there's still a few that have concerns but we decided we'd be a church that would not major in minors and if somebody wants to beat on a bango a bongo you know we weren't going to make a big deal of it um so yeah we had the music the kids then dispersed the kids went to their Sabbath schools yep and then we had one of the things we wanted to do was again in order to promote community have one person sharing their story every week and uh, we had our friend Robin 
And uh, about how long did she talk for? Well, it was supposed to be five to seven minutes. It was probably more like 10 minutes. Um, yeah, so Robin uh, hit leadoff. Uh, she was actually just baptized. I think we may have mentioned recently uh, a week and a half ago. And uh, so her story was really cool. And we mentioned before, like, it's amazing how you can go to church for years. I mean, decades and not know someone's story. Yeah. Um, or not know so many things about that person. Um, because again, not because of necessarily maybe the church you go to, but just the way church is usually set up is it's not really, a lot of the time it's not um, set up for deep conversation. Mm-hmm. You go in, you're, you're being entertained, you have a program, and then, you know, if you're not choosing to stay for potluck, you know, that's, that's kind of it. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, we had some general sharing time, and then we had a time of prayer around the tables, and that to me was the highlight of the whole service. Um, you know, there was at each table seven or eight people, and uh, at our particular table, the one I was at, of course, you weren't Camille, but we had a friend um, that was there and uh, non Christian and just sharing from her heart. And it was just really, really powerful. And just thinking, like, without that time, we wouldn't, uh, like... Yeah, it doesn't give people the opportunity to share and Mm -hmm. to actually participate and even to ask questions if Mm -hmm. if, um, they're visiting or or even if they're not visiting. Like, you know, what what are doubts that people have and how can we try to alleviate those and, you know... And and I know some people will say, well, do that. Like one of the objections I've heard is, why do we need to have this type of community experience during the worship service? Why don't you get that outside of the worship service? And why don't you do it in your missional communities? And yeah, we're doing it in our missional communities. But the fact is that the worship gathering is still the largest corporate meeting that you're going to have as a church. And there are going to be some people who only participate in that. And so it's almost like having that time of sharing in smaller little clusters during the worship service might be the only time that 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 a person has opportunity to open up and share to the larger church. And hopefully it can kind of just give them a taste for wow, I could actually do this more often. That's what I said after it was all said and done. I said, if you guys really like this sharing time, this prayer time, like you should be involved in a missional community. So it's kind of like a advertisement for the missional community. But it's just like it sets the tone for church life and church culture. Like we are a church that is in community with one another. We're praying for one another. We are relating to one another. We're opening up to one another. We're being vulnerable with one another. And so it just sets the tone for the whole church. So that's why it was so awesome for me. I was recently talking with a friend of mine um, who's retired, and he li- he goes to a, a fairly big Seventh-day Adventist church, and um, he's very active in the church and, um, you know, does the whole Sabbath school leading out and uh, head deacon and, you know, all that type of stuff. And... Um, He's been struggling, though, with finding basically community. And so I was, you know, asking him, I was like, well, you know, can you get together with, 
you know, some of your guy friends, this is a person who's um, not married, and, you know, can you get together with some guy friends and hang out that way, and um, no, you know, they're all married, and, you know, I was like, well, you know, what about the people at church, and he's like, well, you know, I, you know, I go to church with them, and, you know, but outside of that, I don't really see him that much. And church for him is not really a time of community. It's a time of going and listening to someone speak and sitting in a pew and hearing yeah. songs. And, and I mean, and he's been in this church for a long, years. a long time. It's not, it's not like he's just moved there. Um, and so I just thought like how sad, um, you know, this person who's, you know, kind of poured his life into the church um, and does a lot for that church down there, but yet he's experiencing absolutely no community. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying like, you know, I think this is a, probably a lot of people's experience, um, mm-hmm. where it's just the way church is set up now. It's very hard to, um, connect, get that culture. Yeah. Yeah. Connect. yeah and so like, if you, if you just, if you just um, get a little bit of it during the worship service, which again is for some people the only time they are coming and connecting with the church. If you do it during that time, it sets the tone and it could provide some connection that could then blossom beyond the worship service time. So, People might get connected that otherwise would not just because they're sitting looking at the back of each other's heads in a in a straight line. So, yeah, that's why I think it's such a critical time. Even though it was only like 10 minutes, it's like let's maximize that 10 minutes. So, anyway, we did that. Then we had me teaching for 25 minutes or so. Then we had a closing song. And then uh, that was it. And then we had lunch afterwards. We did have a lunch people uh, a lot of people stayed but yeah it was just i heard so many really good things i heard people say man this is like the most beautiful worship service we'd ever been to the music was awesome the 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 tables were beautifully set up and everything um and the teaching which i'm trying to you know what we're trying to do is during our teaching time is to teach in such a way that it would be relatable and understandable to a non-Seventh-day Adventist, non-Christian person. Um, we did have a, f- a number of, well, not a ton, but we did have some of those non-Adventist, non-Christians there. Um, and it's good for even Adventists who who um, have been Adventists their whole lives. You can still present a message that is both uh, substantive yet also simple enough. And I had that feedback from a few people actually like, man, we just really enjoy- appreciated that teaching so, um, so yeah, I feel like, and I feel like our leaders, like all of our leadership team were really excited about it. There was a, a unity, there was a oneness. Um, <coughs> I don't know why I'm still coughing now. This is like a month and a half later. It only happens when I'm on this podcast, seriously. Uh, but I think for me, like this is this whole restart when it comes to the Sabbath gathering is sort of the last piece of the puzzle in many ways where um, we've been doing the missional thing for a couple of years, but it felt like, and this is going to be brutally honest, it felt like the Sabbath worship service 
was this obligatory life draining event that we had to participate in every week. And it was kind of like the analogy I've been using is, you know, when you have people over your house and you kind of sometimes pile all this junk into one room and you're like, (laughs) okay, our guests cannot go in that room. Like, they can go in any other other part of the house, but I just stay out of just that to room. be honest. I don't do that, guys. <laughs> well, there's been a few times, Camille. I know there's been a few times where we haven't done the dishes all. Oh, and that's we'll, true. We'll that's put them true. in our mud room. <laughs> like, make sure we they don't go in our mud room. We haven't done the dishes, or you haven't done the dishes. <laughs> well, anyway, um, but it felt like we had this almost schizophrenic missional posture where. We're doing life with people. We're inviting them into our home. We're inviting them to our missional community. We're journeying with them. But there's this thing we do on Sabbath that we're not going to invite them into because. And I think we thought for a while that we could. We could do. We could do the separate. And I think we thought like, well, if people aren't on board, all on board with, you know, being missional, let's just do our missional community. Let's do our thing. But you can't, you can't like, you can't do the, it's separate. You have to. They they have to be like working in tandem uh, for many reasons. One of them is because like, I feel like our service now is life giving. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's meaningful. It's relational. It, 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 it can produce. And of course we've only done it one week, but from what I'm hearing from almost everyone is that it, um, it's it's I forgot what I was gonna say. It's it's oh something boy. that is motivating. It's it it it, it unites us. It, well, I think I feel so much more comfortable inviting. Well, yeah, that's part of it for sure. My my friends from the community because I know that it's gonna be a time of connecting. Connecting. I know that safe they're not just gonna community. like show up and like sit in a pew and like watch a program. Watch a um, traditional stand-up sit-down. But they're going to be able to connect with people that I know and love within my church. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, you know. Yeah, it's funny. One of our friends that we, um, we've we been uh, journeying with, uh, he, he and his wife are, are, have, have stopped attending the church they had been attending. And they have... You know, he said, yeah, we'll probably kind of gravitate to your church. And so along this restart process, we were like getting ideas from him. Like, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? (coughs) Excuse me. And just recently they attended another church that they used to attend like 10 years ago. And he's like, man, I think you guys really got to me because that thing was so hard for me to sit through. It was so formal and you stand up and you sit down and he's like, I hadn't gone there in 10 years, but I could still tell you like 10 years later exactly what came next and, you know, what all of the formal, you know, procedures were going to be. He's like, I don't know. I just think what you guys are doing is, is really spot on, you know, something that's more relatable, more community based. Um, So yeah, I just think like we no longer have a room that's off limits. We have... Like our whole spiritual life is open to people. And I, I, 
you know, even though early on in this missional journey, we would say, uh, it doesn't matter what you do on Sabbath. It doesn't matter if you go to church. It doesn't matter. Well, not if you don't go to church, but it doesn't matter as much. Like people aren't looking to go to a building to do worship. But um, the fact is there still is a lot of people, even non-Christians, because some of our non-Christian friends, when they know we're Christians, they think to themselves, oh, I wonder what their church is like and invite themselves to our church. And so it's like, there still is, even though we live in a post-Christian age and context, there still are a lot of people that understand that what you do in that building is a significant part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So that's why like, I think this was a critical step and like, I think really good things are happening. Yeah, we're super excited. And I think it's neat that... I think there's there's many people, and I think I thought this, you know, two years ago, three years ago, where you kind of like, well, this is kind of church. Like, this is what we do. We, like, go and we dress up and we sit in these rows and we just kind of, like, watch what's going on up front. Yeah, we participate maybe here or there, some more than others. But um, the format that we've chosen for our church is or the format that you have right now at your church, it's not a written in stone commandment from God. Like Mm -hmm. there's so many different ways that we can worship together in a Mm -hmm. space. And I think Christians in general, we kind of just like, well, this is kind of the way like we've always done it. So this is kind of what we need to do. And um, yeah, it's interesting how many especially older generations kind of think like, well, if we do anything different or turn from this, like this is not church, but God has not given us a, a 10 commandments of how to do church. You know, he, he wants us to come and worship and fellowship together and support one another. Um, And I think with the way that church has kind of ended up and has kind of been designed. Um, I don't know if that's yeah. working as much as it used to anymore. Yeah, there's no prescription in the New Testament for the w- liturgy. There's no New Testament liturgy. And um, <laughs> it's funny because uh, some people who object to what we're trying to do will cite the Old Testament temple as the example, we've had a, we had a whole episode on this, we know, but I was just thinking about this last week. Uh, they will cite the Old Testament temple and say, see, you need to have reverence in the sanctuary. You need to, you know, be quiet and walk softly and so forth. But <laughs> these are some of the same people that will um, take exception to us having low lighting. Now, what do you think, what do you think the Old Testament sanctuary was like? You think there was like, overhead lighting and, you know, bright lights. It was lit by candle. Uh, So anyway, it's just funny, the inconsistencies we have. And And we all have them. We're not trying to play anyone out. None of us are completely consistent. Um, But just the the type of thinking we're doing, like our our thought process. Um, So like, yeah, I, I think.
I think most of it just goes back to this architectural philosophy we have that what goes on in there has to be quiet, respectful, um, quote unquote, reverent. And I, again, I've just gotten to the place where I think we need to be thoughtful and deliberate about what, how we act when we're in that environment. But I don't think that's because the building has any ontological difference. It's just, I think, social awareness. Like we were talking last night, Camille, like if we were going to a, a city council meeting in Bangor, we wouldn't want our kids running around during that meeting either. But that has more to do with the social context and the respect that you give to one another than any thought about God needs us to act differently in this space than if we were just sitting in our home. Um, so it's like, yeah, yeah, I just think our uh, the way we think about these things is pretty, uh, pretty inconsistent. So anyway, that's, uh, that's what we got for you. Good times. It's just the beginning of many more great things. And I, I just feel like even if like we never have a non-Seventh-day Adventist ever come, I think the environment and the atmosphere and the relational connection that will be promoted through and, and achieved by this sort of approach will just flow out and like it will it will embolden and enliven and motivate and excite all of us to be more missional and more connected and more working together in unison so if if for not if nothing else like i think this whole new approach can be very and even create like a an environment that is more forgiving of others mm. cuz as we hear people's story mm-hmm. yep um and you can relate to it or you can't relate to it, but you see that hurt or you see those struggles that that person has gone through that you know knew nothing about. Um, yeah. Really neat to create a church environment where forgiveness and love is so much easier to mm. give to someone. Yeah. Yeah. So if any of you guys are in the area and want to um, come visit, we'd love to have you um, either at a missional community meeting or at our sabbath gathering on saturday we would love it or if you want to hang out with us at bagel central or just you know i mean it's really happening up here in bangor maine up here down here (laughs) or wherever you're listening to this over here yeah uh no this is the place to be this is the place to be we're having a good time by the way uh just yesterday congratulations to your brother cameron Yes. He set a PR in his marathon, uh, ran it up in Caribou, ran a marathon in three hours and 14 minutes, PR'd by nine minutes. Camille has her half marathon coming up on September 30. So, Which I am super excited about. I feel like I could do a whole podcast on running now, but oh, I have really enjoyed... Go ahead. We, got, we got time. I have enjoyed all the training um, it would maybe the exception of a couple days where we were like in the nineties and I was having to go out and run, but I mean, it's been so fun. Um, I can't wait to, 
And it's go mis- out. It's missional. And running is missional. My sister, did you mention? Oh, that? we didn't. Uh, my did we? No. My sister Shelly. Hello, Shelly, who's been on this show before, of course. And my younger brother Garrett. Um, Garrett requalified for Boston a couple weeks ago, and my sister qualified for the first time to run Boston. She um, ran a three thirty-eight something, which was is about a minute in. 45 seconds faster than my PR that I just had <laughs> in May. So got to get back on the training routine so I can run faster than you, Shelly, and uh, maybe catch up with Cameron and, of course, far exceed Garrett, who's just a slow poke. Uh, uh, yeah, so it's very cool. A lot of hard work and dedication on their part. So we're excited to see um, them race in April when the Boston Marathons. That's right happening yep anyways um this has been mission lab thanks for listening thank you for listening to mission lab our theme song is portland hike by tiny music additional editing by chris ogay follow us on twitter at m lab podcast